Well, good morning. Great to be here. Always a privilege to be sharing the Word of God anywhere, anytime, any context. It is an, it is an absolute privilege. Where's Caden? Caden, well done, my bud. I, I just, I feel like there's, you're, you're an amazing young man. I feel like God wants to give you courage. It took courage this morning to do what you did. But I, I feel like there's a ton more of that that's coming for you. Just courage to step out in the spirit, irrespective of age, irrespective of context, any of those things. Just God wants to impart courage to you, man. And so really, really just blown away this morning. Eh? Where's Steve Sudworth? I don't know. He knew I was preaching, so he took off. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> speaking in tongues. Yeah, speaking in tongues. I, I, I do want to say something. Uh, but maybe I'll get another opportunity. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, here he is. Steve. Waiting for you, bro. Waiting for you, bro. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, up early this morning praying and uh, was just stirred by how incredibly faithful you guys have been here over the last 17, 18 years. Is that about how long you've been in Chicago? Just, in, just incredibly stirred by that. I, I don't think this is an easy place. Maybe that's just my personality type. Um, maybe it's because I'm a bit of a hillbilly. I don't, I don't know. But just, I'm so blown away by your, by your faithfulness and your labor, your service here, your level of prayer, your level of faithfulness, your level of commitment and in some way, we all get to live and share in your inheritance, and that's an incredible thing. I feel like there's a season change for you guys as well, yeah, and this is a season you've labored so hard. I think there's a season coming where you guys are going to enjoy the fruit of your labor. You're just going to be able to stand back and just be like, God, you are so good. You've done this. You've done this. And so, absolutely well done, eh? Thank you for storing up an inheritance for all of us in this city. So God bless you, eh? Last night was epic, wasn't it? It really was. I don't know how many times I've heard that sermon. (laughs) This is going to be a fun backwards and forwards, obviously. (laughs) I I, I mean, times preach that at redemption. We've preached that at different equips. I've heard it in different countries. And, you know, just... I love Ty's courage in doing that because he, he said to us at the team meeting, don't be under pressure to bring something new. Just bring something that is solid and foundational and reminding. And I love that apostolic context of that where Paul says, further my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's of no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Some translations, it's of no trouble for me to remind you of these things again. But listen, because it is a safeguard for you. And I want to tell you, last night was a safeguard for us. I went to bed last night thinking, man, we should leave those chairs up there for the rest of these two days. And just be reminded of that context because there's some boundary lines there. There's some safety there for us in those things. Within those boundary lines, we can explore and go to the very edges of those boundary lines. So safeguard was a great reminder last night. So I want to go with, go with me in your Bibles if you have them. Philippians chapter one. <clears throat> I 
I'm going to talk on partnership this morning. And so Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I don't know that we're going to get anywhere near opening up all of that text. I just want to make a few points here for us this morning. And it's simply this. Paul and Timothy, servants. Don't you love that? Yeah, when when we go and look at how Paul introduces himself, most of the time, this will be in there somewhere. Servant, called by God to serve. I want to tell you, friends, we can never get tired of serving. We can never get tired of serving. We serve in different ways, but we can never get tired of serving the Lord. It's our primary calling to serve God. You're doing okay? And then I love this, and this is where we're going to just spend a little bit of time. He says this, to all the saints, to all the saints, this apostolic letter to the church in Philippi is addressed initially and primarily to all the saints. Primarily and initially to all the saints. Then it says, with the elders and with the deacons. So there's something for us to understand in here, friends. This understanding of partnership in the gospel is not for a select few. It's not for those in full-time ministry, so-called full-time ministry. It's not for those super saints. It's not for anybody else than for all the saints, for every believer, for ordinary believers, if there is such a thing, for ordinary believers. So backwards to so much of our hierarchical thinking in our day. So backwards. And for a pastor, this would make you a little bit nervous, right? Ty comes to me, says, I've got a message for the church. It's an apostolic message, going to set the tone and the direction, it's going to correct some stuff and adjust some stuff. I'm like, well, can we have a coffee? Can we talk about it? No, I'm going to tell the church. And then I'm like, well, what? No, well, afterwards I'll get to you. But that's exactly how the scripture addresses the church. It's exactly what Paul understands. This apostolic message about partnership in the gospel is primarily addressed to all the saints. Are you doing okay? As Ty brilliantly told us last night, it took me a minute or two to get it, but he said, 
every priest needs a hood. And I was like, well, so I remember, I got all the other stuff, and then he got to this one, and I was like, every priest needs a hood. And I was like, no, but that's why you heard me laugh real loud about three minutes after he said it. But it is back to this thing, the priesthood of all believers, all believers, to all the saints, all believers. Let's grip this thing. Grip this message of the cross again. We have to take ministry out of the, select, out of the hands of the select few. Take ministry out of the hands of the select few and put it back in the hands that God intended it to be, all the saints. That's our call, right? Ephesians 4.11, to prepare God's people. God gave some to be apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, to prepare God's people for works of service. We're not supposed to do it ourselves. We're supposed to prepare, train, equip, empower, release, open your hands. There has to be the releasing. Let them get on with it. I love Paul's language as he opens this thing up. Thank my God every time I remember you. And as he opens us up, you can just hear the privilege dripping off his lips. You can hear the joy. This letter most often called the letter of joy. 19 times Paul uses this word joy in this letter. Let's remember that this letter is written from prison under penalty of death. And all he can talk about is the privilege of being called to partner with Christ. All he can talk about is the joy of people that have understood partnership with Christ. Are you doing okay? Thank my God every time I remember you. Isn't that a cool testimony? Would you like people to say that about you? Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy. When I pray for you, I always pray with joy. But there's a context. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is not a momentary thing. This isn't something we give ourselves to. This isn't a fad in the life of the church. This is something we give ourselves to from the first day until Christ returns. What a testimony of faithful participation in the gospel. What an incredible testimony. And that's exactly what partnership means. Just simply faithful participation. We participate. We don't hold ourselves back. We bring ourselves to bear. And so what does this partnership look like? I'm going to try and get through four things. I'm probably only going to get three. Number one, with Jesus. Number two, in the gospel. Number three, on the mission. And number four, with each other. I don't know if we're going to get all the way through this. You're doing okay? Number one, with Jesus. Listen, if there's a point we're going to labor, this has to be it, right? That it's not simply about what we are called to. It has to start with who called us. Right? How many of you went through a tough time with COVID-19 and the lockdown and the shutdown? And it was, it was dreadful. There was no playbook for that. I've been doing this for 30 years. There was no playbook. There was no playbook. And I've shared this vulnerably in my own church. I had a few moments there. I've been doing this for 30 years. Served on six eldership teams in two continents, led three of those teams. And now I'm preaching at an iPhone every Friday morning. Is this what my life has come to? 
But what held us? I can promise you what held us is I didn't call me. If I had, I would have been like, this sucks, see you later. Just being honest, honest and vulnerable. And we talk about this when we talk about releasing leaders, right? What is that thing? Dudley taught us this thing years and years. Recognize, raise up, release. So we recognize the call of God, recognize, raise up, we impart, we train, we call out, and then we open our hands, we release. But what did we recognize? We recognized the call of God. That's what we recognize. I recognize the call of God on you. Now it gets hard. Now you're mad with me. Did I call you? We've got to settle this thing. Who called who? Are you doing okay? That my primary, my partnership is with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It is absolutely beautiful. Remember this thing. We are co-heirs with Christ. How do you think we get to be co-heirs with Christ? We are co-heirs because the Bible says we are co-laborers with Christ. You doing okay? And so my primary partnership is with Jesus. Jesus has called me into this thing. And then he says these beautiful words, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The yoke in those days, generally a solid wooden collar, right? And so put it over the necks of two oxen. And when they pull, they pull together, they multiplied. I don't know if you've ever seen some of those things about those draft horses, you know, those big horses that pull the Budweiser wagon. They say this, like one can pull 8,000 pounds or something, but two can pull like 30,000 pounds. It's like there's no math for it. And they've done the science and it's because there's more feet on the ground. That still would be simple multiplication. There's something that happens when we're in partnership and we get to be in partnership with Jesus Christ. And he says, my yoke is easy. When we put that collar on and our partner is Jesus, he's going to do the heavy lifting. He's done the heavy lifting. Are you doing okay? And so now I can say, my yoke is easy. My burden is like, Jesus, you're doing the heavy lifting. And I get the glory of being in this partnership with you. What an incredible, incredible privilege. Because of that, we get to share in his inheritance. We get to share in his inheritance. Gospel to all nations. Are you doing okay, friends? Who called us is critically important. I've I've loved that text in uh, Psalm 73, verse 23. It says this, you lead me by my right hand. Isn't that beautiful? Let me tell you, through COVID, I made that my job description. It's like every morning I woke up and every morning there's a new thing and a new shutdown and a new lockdown and this and that. And I would just wake up in the morning and I would go, Father, I just want to put my hand in your hand. Made that my job description through COVID. You lead me, Lord. You lead me. You doing okay? Number two, in the gospel. Number two, in the gospel. Again, love the reminder that came from Ty last night about the gospel. I've got to be honest with you, friends, and, and maybe this is just me. I don't think there is a more important message for our nation right now than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Straight up. And I preached at a city celebration that Jody organized in, in Los Angeles a couple of years back, and I preached out of Luke 15, and I said to some of the guys we were standing around afterwards, you know, I said, I've, I've realized, like, after 20 plus years in the ministry, I've realized I've only really got one message, the gospel. And they were all like, Dude, you're dumb. We've all known that about you for 20 years. I'm like, thanks for the heads up. But I want to tell you, it's an important message. It's an important message for our nation right now. 
But somehow we've taken what Paul clearly stated was of primary importance. 1 Corinthians 15, what I, gave, what I received, I passed on to you as a matter of first importance. That's first in terms of number, number one. It's first in terms of rank. It's ranked higher than anything else. And it's first in terms of priority. The main thing, the main thing. Are you doing okay? Somehow we've relegated in our day to how you get in the club. The gospel was never meant to be an invitation. It was meant to be a declaration. This nation needs to hear the gospel declared again. If it's good news, it's news. When you turn on the news and it says the red car hit the blue car, they're not asking, there's no invitation to believe that. That's what happened. That's what the gospel is. We're not inviting anybody to believe it. We're telling you what happened. Good news needs to be declared in our nation with clarity, with intent, with power and anointing and authority again. The gospel is so simple. Loved it. We started last night with this thing of life. The gospel is so simple. You, you can share it in an elevator or you can preach on it for hours. God, man, Jesus, response. God, we are created in the image of God. If we don't start there, we're in great danger of developing a man-centered gospel. We start with God. God created man in his image for fellowship with him. The pinnacle of his creation, the only part of his creation that he chose to put his spirit in and the only part of his creation that he chooses to have communion with. God created man, but man sinned and destroyed that relationship. Man sinned. interesting text, eh? If we've all sinned and fall, not fallen, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man sinned. God, man, Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Where we were helpless and hopeless That's the story of Ezekiel 37. That's the story of the dry bones. When the prophet walks up to those dry bones, says the bones were very dry. What the Bible's trying to tell us something there. Those bones had been there a long time. Dry bones can't help dry bones. That's the message of Ezekiel 37. Dry bones can't help dry bones. And so there has to be this outside intervention. There has to be this divine intervention. Where God says to the prophet, son of man, can these bones live? And the prophet gives the only right answer. Because if he'd said yes, God would have said, okay, make them live. And he would have found out in a quick second he wasn't God. And if he had said, no, they can't live, God would have breathed on them and they would have lived anyway. There's no right answer outside of this. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And there's this outside intervention, this breath, and these bones come to life. Dry bones can't help dry bones. The gospel makes a mockery of self-help. Are you doing all right? You're not mad with me yet? Listen, if I offend you because I'm a jerk, I'm, so, I'm sorry. But if it's the truth that's offending you, I can't make an apology for that. Can't. It makes a mockery of self-help. It's the Tower of Babel. Man trying to find some ideal. Man trying to find some way to God on his own. Gospel is so simple. 
God, man, Jesus responds. All we have to do is respond. We receive Christ and Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone. Something that Dudley used to say in the early days that shaped me, it still does. Still does. Jesus, God's total provision for man's total need for all time. How's that for a gospel declaration? Jesus is God's total provision for man's total need for all time. What an antidote to what's going on. What an antidote to what's going on in our day. I love how Paul asked the question, was Christ divided? First Corinthians, was Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Is Christ divided? And I'm asking a question. I'm not, it's not rhetorical. Is Christ divided? Well, how? This, this chapter started, Philippians, to all the saints in Christ. So if we are all saints and we are in Christ, how can we be divided? It's the antidote for celebrity preachers and rock star worship leaders. This is the antidote. Was Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Is there somebody that dared to spill a drop of blood to help you get into heaven? No. This is about Christ. The gospel is about Christ alone. I'm not not mad, right? I just, so I look like this. This is my happy face. I'm so so delighted to be here just. Besides my, I'm beside myself. It's the antidote. It's the antidote. If there was a lesson for us that came out of COVID-19, it should have been this, Christ is enough. Love that song that Vanessa sang this morning. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Don't need any add-on. Don't need anything else. And the gospel takes all those divisions out, takes all those fractures out. And the gospel only allows for a single division, lost, saved. It's the only division the gospel allows. I love the, I'll use this illustration so often, I'm sure some of you have memorized it by now. But the Titanic, there were four lists of people that got on the Titanic. First class, second class, third class, fourth class. After the tragedy of the Titanic, there were two lists, lost, saved. That's how it's going to be at the end of time, friends. Lost and saved, two lists. That list made no mention of political party. Those two lists made no mention of political party, of race or gender, or economic standing, or vaccination status. Let's not let, um, listen, I'm, I'm appealing to you. Let's not let these things divide us. This world is looking for things to divide us looking for ways to fracture us. And to all of that division and fracture, we can stand with gospel clarity and ask the question, is Christ divided? And if the answer is no, then we should not be divided. Are you doing okay? The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. And in spite of the inflation, the wages of sin are still death. And Jesus is still the answer and he always will be. We've got to get back to the gospel, friends. We've got to get back to the gospel as a primary message for what God has required of us 
and what God asks us to do. Listen, when we get saved, we get, we get a new father, we get a new faith, we get a new financial system. But when I get saved, when I get saved, I get a new master, Jesus, alone. Do no longer be a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a servant to my Lord and Savior. I get a new message, the gospel, and I get a new mandate, the gospel to all nations. Are you, are you doing okay? Uh, listen, man, I, th- this thing needs declaration again. I, I know we get some weird stuff in Colorado. I'm not sure if it's the altitude. It's like it gets to people's heads. But there's so much of this nonsense that goes on, man. Just like somebody recently talking about this thing of like, you know, and let me just, let me, let me just say this up front. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. I'm just, I'm trying to make a point here, trying to make an illustration. This person who is a mature believer is saying this thing like, you know, in God, we get an opportunity. If we had childhood trauma, we get an opportunity to go back and reparent ourselves. And I'm like, could, could, you, could you imagine me doing that? How many of you, how many of you have got an inkling that when if I, what I would be saying to my five-year-old self was, listen, you little donut. I would cause more trauma. And so that's how we get in this thing of like, so now I'm trying to follow Christ and I have to go back and fix my trauma. I'm trying to follow Christ and I have to go back and fix my trauma. I had trauma. I had trauma. I had sin. Plenty of it. Plenty of it. But what the gospel says is through Christ alone, I am born again. Born again. In other words, what happened pre-Christ, pre-salvation should have very little bearing on what my future is in Christ because it's dealt with by the cross. It's Christ alone. Are you doing okay? I tell you, maybe we've got to stop just playing I could be a lot stronger with this. I'm sure you... Friends, let's get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I got saved, did God put a Band-Aid on my trauma so that when I was mature, I could go back and fix my trauma? Listen, I'm happy to have a discussion as long as this is the ground rules. As long as this is the ground rules. Ty set some boundaries for us last night. If this is the boundary, I'm happy to have some discussion. Let's get back to the gospel, friends. Let's get back to the power of the gospel, setting people free. Sozo, that beautiful text, uh, Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Saved, sozo, saved, healed, delivered. I needed saving. For reals. For real, for real. I needed saving. I needed healing. I didn't have some trauma. And I needed deliverance. But I can promise you now, not one time have I ever had to go back there. This is the very definition of Jesus calling us and saying, come, and us taking our eyes off Jesus and putting them on the waves. I got saved, Lord, but what about all this rubbish from my past? I got saved, Lord, but what about all this hurt? We've got to trust that the gospel is enough. The power of God. For salvation, saved, healed, delivered. That we just face in Christ and we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. 
We had a 17-year-old girl preach at Redemption City Church a little while ago, and she said this, God wants our limitless yes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Limitless, yes, Lord. Tomorrow, God asking me to do something else. Yes, Lord. That stuff, all that trauma, all that rubbish become very quickly disappears in the rearview mirror because I'm moving forward in Christ. Yeah. Bible says Jesus takes our sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. If he remembers it no more, why should I? Takes our sin, removes it as far as the east is from the west, an infinite distance, not north and south. That's finite. That can be measured. You start at the North Pole, you travel south. You can only travel south till you get to the South Pole and you're traveling north. East to west. You can start at the equator and start going east and you can circumnavigate the globe. 150 million times, you're still going east. An infinite distance. That is exactly how far I wanted to be away from my sin. An infinite distance. What a glorious gospel we have, friends. It needs to be declared again in our nation with power and anointing and authority. A declaration, not an invitation. Number three, the mission. You doing okay? Talking about partnership with Christ. Talking about partnership in the gospel. We're talking about partnership in the mission. What a great reminder again from Ty last night. The mission has never changed. The mission has never changed. From Genesis 11, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all nations. Genesis 11, the blessing to all nations is Jesus Christ. Previewing the blessing. Genesis 22, now I swear by myself that what I promised you in Genesis 11, all nations will happen. Psalm 2, ask of me, I'll give the nations as your inheritance. Messianic Psalm. Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. You will receive power. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Simultaneous, right? Not Jerusalem. And when you've reached Jerusalem, then you can move on. Simultaneous. We don't get the privilege of waiting until we've reached where we are before we move on. Revelation 7 verse 9. Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue standing before the throne. Revelation 21. New heaven and a new earth, the city of God that needs no light because Jesus is its light. Need doesn't need a sun or a moon. What an incredible privilege that is, friends. What a mission that is. What a mission that is. Gospel to all nations, Matthew 24, and then the end will come. Let's get practical real quick. I've got three minutes. Let's get practical real quick. What an incredible Lord and Savior. He has left nothing undone. He's done all things well. What an incredible gospel we've been given through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. That was the theological reset that came out of the Reformation. And I love the way it landed because the, it landed in our only adequate response to that, solo dio gloria. So we can say this through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And our only adequate response to that incredible gospel is to live for the glory of God alone. Yeah. Johann Sebastian Bach, the, the German composer, would sign all his music like that, SDG. Johann Sebastian Bach, SDG. He believed 
as a follower of Christ, that his mission was to write beautiful music for the glory of God. SDG, solo dia gloria. I want to live for the glory of God. No matter what I do for the glory of God, no matter what I'm called to, every priest in every church, every ordinary saint, every deacon, every elder, every lead elder, every man and woman that serves on this team, we live for the glory of God alone. Not for our own glory. We're not trying to make a brand or build a kingdom for the glory of God alone. Second Corinthians 5 verse 9 says this, we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please him. Not me. Talking about me now. I don't make it my goal to please me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Mostly means my kingdom doesn't come and his does. Your will be done. Not my will, your will. We've got to settle those things again, friends. Not me, not my wife, not my elders, not even the government of the United States of America. And I love this nation. We make it our goal to please him. We've got to clarify again who that him is and be clear about that. Because when we're clear about that, we can live a life solely for his glory. Are you doing okay? What does it look like for us? In my marriage, I make it my goal to please him. There's a mind shift here. Because if I make it my goal to please him, and if I'm pleasing God, I dare say my wife will be pleased. But if I want to make it my goal to please sandals, not sure we get the other way around. It only works this way. I make it my goal to please him. In my marriage, in my life. I make it my goal to please him. In my friendships, I make it my goal to please him. In my parenting, thank you, Lord. In my parenting, I make it my goal to please him. You cannot please your kids. You don't please your kids, they're going to be eating ice cream every night for dinner. Jello and ice cream. I make it my goal to please him. In my career, doctor, lawyer, accountant. It was one of the things of the Reformation gave dignity to every job description. Every job description. Lawyer, banker, street sweeper, teacher. I make it my goal to please him. My finances. I make it my goal to please him. When I get my paycheck at the end of the month, I make it my goal to please him. When I get an inheritance, I make it my goal to please him. Somebody blesses me with that blessing, I make it my goal to please him. In my ministry, I make it my goal to please him. My calling, I make it my goal to please him. The most satisfied life, friends, will be the most surrendered life. Most satisfied life, the most significant life, 
is going to be the most surrendered love. And we surrender our lives by not doing what pleases us, but doing what pleases him. See, at the end of my life and at the end of your life, only one voice is going to speak these words over us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not your spouse, not your pastor, not anybody else. Only one voice. If we live our lives, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, I make it my goal to please you. At least I know I'm heading in the right direction to be stand before God one day and hear those beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand together, friends. I don't want to delay this, friends. If God's in it, he is. If there's, some, if there's some adjustments, if there's some adjustments, let's just do business with God right now. If you know you've lived to please somebody else or something else, let's just make that adjustment right now. I feel like surrender has come out a couple of times already this weekend. Just fresh surrender. Just a fresh moment of surrender here. As I said, this letter is addressed primarily to all the saints. If you're a saint in this room, fresh surrender. If you're an elder or a deacon or a lead guy, fresh surrender as we make it our goal to please him. Let's just stay, just for, just for a moment. Let's just receive where we are. If you're in this room, age zero to 10, my best encouragement to you is make it your goal to please him. If you are 10 to 20, my best encouragement, make it your goal to please him. 20 to 30, make it your goal to please him. 30 to 40. Make it your goal to please him. 40 to 50, 50 to 60, and beyond. Remember where I started with this thing, we can never get tired of serving God. No matter how old you are. I'm approaching 60 at breakneck speed, I can't believe it. I still wanna make it my goal to please him. Till I draw my last breath, I want to make it my goal to please him. See, partnership becomes easy. Unity becomes easy. Giving of ourselves becomes easy. Giving of our stuff becomes easy. Giving financially becomes easy. Giving our heart, as Tasso wonderfully reminded us this morning, becomes easy when we've established this. The goal of my life, Lord, is to please you. Father, thank you for the beautiful people in this room. Thank you for this time together, Lord. You're doing something and establishing something here. Thank you, Father, that for many of us in this room, these two days are a watershed moment. They're a change. They're an adjustment. They're getting back on track. They're reestablishing the boundary lines, reestablishing the foundations. May we have that courage, Father, to live 
for nothing else. Solo Dio Gloria. For the glory of God alone.